Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, certified religious transition and trauma recovery coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Hello, welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. Oh, we have a huge topic today. In fact, I could probably create an entire podcast simply on this topic alone. There is so much information that exists out in the world, and there's still so much we don't know about it as well. And instead of switching this to an intuition podcast, all about our inner knowing and everything. We're just going to cover this for the next couple of podcasts. We're going to dig into the things that really tend to be confusing or triggering for us as people who are deconstructing from high demand religion. Today, we're going to be talking about what intuition is. So if you've heard me talking about your inner knowing or your gut feeling, and you're not really sure what intuition actually is or how it feels for you or how your intuition communicates with you, keep listening. We're going over that today. If you're a little wary of intuition because it feels very spiritual or it feels a little woo-woo, keep listening. We're going to be talking about the science of intuition and what we know from neuroscience and brain imaging and I'm also going to talk a little bit about the woo because we don't know. We don't know how intuition works completely. We only know that we have it. We know that it helps us be creative. We know that it helps us problem solve. We know that it helps us make quick decisions to get out of danger, to move in directions that feel good for us. And we know that some of the most successful people in our world claim that they rely on their intuition to make so many of their decisions. So it's a big part of self-confidence. It's a big part of leadership. It's a big part of being able to do repetitive tasks over and over and really just guide our lives in a way that feels good to us. So let's start off with what intuition is. Intuition is how we know something immediately without the need for conscious processing. And I know you have all experienced this. It's when your friend walks into the room and they look for all intents and purposes normal. Things look normal for them, but you just know something's off. You just know that they're not okay. They're not crying. They don't look sad. They look like they always do, but you just can feel that something is off with them. That's intuition. This also happens when you meet new people for the first time and inexplicably you don't know this person. You either feel immediately safe with them and you feel like their energy just feels so good or you feel uneasy with them and you're not entirely sure why. That's also intuition. We use intuition to pivot in business and make changes for our lives to decide what feels right or what feels wrong for us. And often, it's without much evidence that we can verbalize. Now, I know this idea of knowing something without need for conscious reasoning 
is probably triggering several of you. It definitely used to trigger me a lot because as I've been healing from trauma from high demand religion, one of the things I prize the most is logic, reason, critical thinking. I want facts and I want to know why things are the way they are which is part of the reason I have this podcast because I'm constantly researching and it's so nice to share all of this with all of you. And I will say that as I've healed and as I'm moving forward with the ability to trust myself, I feel more comfortable with my intuition. I feel more comfortable making moves forward and then adjusting as I go. I don't feel like I need to know all the answers at first before I even take the first step. So that's been a big move forward in my life, and I'm hoping that as we study intuition, it will give you that freedom as well, because what we're going to learn today is that conscious thinking and critical thinking and intuitive thinking are both needed to live a whole and fulfilled life, that neither one is better than or superior to the other, that in fact, they're both needed in order to get a whole picture for our lives. But because in our Western society, we have often been conditioned to believe that critical thinking and conscious reasoning are superior to any sort of knowing we might have from our emotions or from our body, many of us are not entirely sure how to access our intuitive brain intentionally. We're not sure how to recognize when our inner knowing is speaking to us or when our gut is speaking to us. And for some of us, because of the religious trauma and because often the idea of intuition was co-opted by the religion, we were told that that was the Holy Ghost or that was the Holy Spirit and that it was a reward for living by the values and the beliefs and the programming that the organization had given us. Many times it feels confusing whether we're feeling our intuition or whether it's indoctrination because it feels a little blurred. So if that is you, stay tuned. We're going to do an entire podcast episode on Holy Ghost trauma and how to parse out your intuition from your indoctrination and how to heal some of those wounds and take back ownership of something that was always yours. It was never the church's to give you. It has always been yours. It has been with you from the time you were born and how to take back ownership of that and use it to make decisions that are in your best interest instead of decisions that are in the best interest of any organization or system that you've been a part of up to this point. Now today I'm not going to be covering much about conscious thought. We will be talking about conscious reasoning and analytics and a little bit of that as a check and balance to our intuition. But I'm going to be speaking primarily about intuition. Our current society would have us believe that we're either conscious reasoners who can only know something if we prove our process and wrap language around it, or if we feel it and we don't give any credence to those pesky conscious thoughts we might have. Right now, we really are in this binary place where historically we have really prized conscious thought, but there's this kind of pendulum swing towards spirituality where we're like, no, we feel into things, but we don't pay attention to our conscious rationalization or logic at all. And that if you are listening to those thoughts, that somehow you're not as spiritually attuned. And I call BS, like so many things in life. 
I believe that living life as a whole human will mean participating in both kinds of knowing. I believe both processes are there for a reason and allowing ourselves to access both kinds of knowing is only going to benefit us in making decisions that are in our best interest. Now, since most of you here grew up in Western society that values conscious reasoning and logical thought over intuitive reasoning, we already have a pretty good grasp on how to use our prefrontal cortex to think through complicated problems. Most of us went to school for 12 years to learn how to think critically, how to store logical information and facts, how to think through and come to the solution of a problem. All of that abstract thinking that we got in school is conscious thinking. Since most of us know how to use this logical part of our brain to weigh all the options and make choices based on this data, I'm actually going to spend this podcast primarily focused on the intuitive knowing and how that works. So let's talk first about how intuition communicates with us, because this is one of the bigger questions I get. How do I hear my intuition? So many of us experience intuition as body sensations. A few that my clients have experienced or that I've experienced are a feeling of an openness or a warmth in your chest. Maybe a stone feeling in your belly, like a heaviness or just an upset stomach. A tightness in your shoulders, like if your shoulders are super tight and you can't let go, you have lots of stress there or a lot of tension, that's your intuition talking to you as well. You might have a tingling on your skin. Some people call it their spidey senses. So you might have like a tingling on your skin in different places for different things. You might feel like a weight has been taken off of you. Or you might have an energy in your womb or in your vaginal canal or in your ovaries. I have never felt that, but I have a couple of clients who have felt that. And they talk about when they're ready to get creative and move on to the next part of their business that they feel a tingling in their womb. I don't know that I've ever felt my womb except for when my youngest son was in there and he was kicking the crap out of me. But maybe you are one of those people that feels a tingling in your womb area or in your vaginal canal. Um, One of my clients expresses that it feels a lot like sexual excitement whenever It is a hell yes for them going forward with something. So when they feel like something is really right for them, they feel almost aroused. So that might be how it is for you. That is not how it is for me. I get the warm feeling in my heart. I get feelings in my gut and I get feelings in my shoulder. And sometimes I get skin tingles, but it's really individual. So just pay attention to your body. Those of you who've spent time with me know that I highly recommend meditation. I love meditation because it helps us get into our body. It helps us be present and aware of what's going on when we might not be aware much of the time. We might be disembodied. We might be up in our head. We might be thinking through difficult problems so often that we're never really quiet And we never really sit with our body to feel what it's experiencing until it gets louder and louder and then we can't ignore it. If you've never read the book, The Body Keeps the Score, and you want to know more about this, go read that book. It's called The Body Keeps the Score, and it talks about how we store 
trauma and we store intuitive messages that we're not paying attention to. And what happens is if we're not paying attention to the intuition, it will get louder and louder and louder until we have really achy places in our bodies. We might have unexplained illnesses. We might have things that happen in our bodies because it's our intuition trying to shake us awake. For me, I became clinically depressed. It was my body shaking me awake and saying, you are not okay. You can't keep living like this. I need you to pay attention and get curious. It's time for us to heal. And then as I was healing certain things, I felt better with the depression, but the anxiety was still there and I would have panic attacks. It was like I had mild grade anxiety all the way through childhood, all the way through my teenage years, but I wasn't listening and wasn't listening and wasn't listening until finally my body was like, fine, we are going to have a full blown panic attack because you're not listening to us. You're going to think you're having a heart attack. Your husband's going to have to wake up in the middle of the night and take you to the ER because you aren't listening to what we're trying to tell you. So just know if we're not listening to what our intuition is trying to tell us, if we're blocking it, it's going to get louder and louder until we listen. The other interesting thing is sometimes we don't feel safe getting into our body. I certainly didn't. Back when I was diagnosed with clinical depression, my body felt like the enemy. Listening to my feelings felt scary. I was so afraid I'd be overcome by my feelings. I had anger inside of me because my intuition was telling me I was tired of living as someone who was not me. I was tired of hiding parts of myself. I was tired of fitting in. I just wanted to live authentically. And so it felt scary to have to sit with those emotions and with what they meant for my life. That was scary. So if you find yourself avoiding quiet time or avoiding dropping into your body, just get curious with that. There's no judgment. There's a reason you're doing that. It's meant to protect you. Get curious with it. Why are you avoiding quiet time? If you have a hard time falling asleep at night, sometimes we keep ourselves so busy And we avoid thoughts and feelings so much during the day that at night when we're finally quiet, it's like it all wants to come out. That's also your intuition talking to you. It's trying to tell you something. Just listen to what happens in your body. So that's the first way intuition talks to us is through bodily sensations. Our bodies communicate to us what our intuition already knows. All right, the second way is through emotions. Your subconscious uses emotions as a way to communicate with you. Now, we're going to get into this more in just a little bit, but your subconscious is part of your inner knowing. It's really what's communicating to you. And there's so much information that your subconscious has just quickly gone through if it were to tell you one by one by one by one all of the memories, experiences, learning, TV ads, whatever, that had made up this intuitive understanding, you would be there for forever. It would take too long. It would be inefficient. Your subconscious is all about efficiency. And because it's inefficient, 
to go through one by one, like what your conscious brain would do, your subconscious gives you a emotional chemical to feel. And we have a choice at that point. We can either tune in to our emotional feelings and listen to the communication that they came to deliver, or we can ignore them. And again, when we ignore our feelings, when we stuff them, when we choose not to feel through them, when we rationalize them away, when we do the whole toxic positivity thing, like, oh, nope, nope, we're going to turn that off like a light switch. We're going to just pretend it's not there and think happy thoughts instead. We are missing out on communication from our intuition. Now, I want to make an important distinction here. We are not our emotions. We are the being that is observing the emotions. The emotions are just communications, okay? So they're neither good nor bad, and our emotions don't mean anything about us. They don't mean we're good or bad. Emotions are simply communications to us, and all of them are useful and valuable. Even fear, even anger, even shame, even guilt, everything has value and meaning because it is all a communication from our intuition or our inner wisdom. So when we're feeling things, it's our job to get curious with the emotion and unravel the message behind the emotion. And once the emotion has delivered its message, it dissipates and goes away. It's like, okay, subconscious, high five. I did my job. Pay me. Great. I'm going away. Your emotion is just there to talk to you and it will hang out until you're ready to listen. Once you listen, it's relieved and it goes away. Okay, thoughts. Thoughts are another way our intuition can talk with us. Have you ever had something that keeps coming to mind? Either something that frustrates you or makes you feel resentful or makes you feel angry. And you know, every time you do the dishes or every time you are out mowing the lawn or you're driving, it's that thing that keeps coming back and you push it away and it comes back and you push it away. But it might also be an opportunity. Maybe you heard a friend talk about a new opportunity and then you saw an ad about the opportunity and then you had a thought about the opportunity when you were brushing your teeth and it keeps coming to mind. That's also your intuition. So recurring thoughts, whether it's an argument you had or it's something that's bothering you, or it's an opportunity or something that sounds exciting, listen, your intuition is communicating with you. The next few are where we get a little into the woo. And last year in October, I decided I was tired of being afraid of the whole like psychic realm and witchcraft and people who practice spirituality in a way that was different from what I was raised with. And I put myself into coaching containers where I got to experiment with spells and I got to experiment with tarot cards and oracle cards because I was tired of being afraid of them. I was like, you know what? I'm tired of being afraid and I want to experience it firsthand. And what's interesting is what I wasn't counting on is that my ability to tap into my own intuition would increase. And that I would understand how my intuition spoke to me better. Now, I have 
zero idea whether there are such things as Arcturians or Archangels or like spirit guides or Gaia or Pachamama or any of those things that speak to us. And I honestly am okay with not knowing. I'm open to the possibility that there might be something that I can't conceive of that is speaking with us and guiding us. But for me, that's not really all that important. What is important to me is just understanding what inner wisdom sounds like so that I can follow it. And in this case, I did actually learn a lot about how my intuition speaks with me outside of just body sensations, emotions, and thoughts. And so the next four are ones that maybe felt a little weird to me at first, and yet I have clients that definitely have experienced their intuition speaking to them in these ways, and so I want to make sure that I bring these up. The first one is thinking in symbols or images, and actually this is the primary way my intuition speaks to me outside of body sensations and emotions. So I'll get a hit of intuition and I'll feel it in my body and I will have an emotion about it. But typically, the very first thing I get is an image in my head. It connects the dots for me. So if I'm coaching you, I'm often getting images about what you're speaking about and it's how it helps me make sense of everything that's going on. I'm a very visual learner, so this makes sense to me. I might envision a word. I might envision a tree, I might envision a person, and or I might envision like a whole scene, like a little short clip from a movie, but I will often get visual images that help me make sense of what I'm hearing or help me get answers to problems that I'm trying to solve. And those images don't necessarily give me the answer, but it helps me ask the questions that help me get the answer. So if you think in symbols, if you see like alphabet letters or squiggly lines or numbers or Roman numerals, that's something to get curious with. If you see trees or you see a written word on your mind's eye or you see, you know, like a short movie clip in your head as you're talking to people, if you kind of get this visual image in your mind's eye, get curious with it. Ask questions. What does that mean? How does that relate to what I was talking about? Allow yourself to get curious with whatever comes up. Like I said, this is the primary way my intuition talks to me. And since allowing myself to be open to the fact that those visual images don't mean that I have attention deficit disorder, it is my intuition's way of communicating with me. When I learned to embrace that, my coaching sessions got 150% more meaningful. Because I would say, okay, what's coming to mind for me is this. And I would bring that up and ask a curiosity question. And it would help guide the conversation to places that were deeper and more meaningful for both of us than if I just stayed in my conscious brain. So if you're a visual learner, if your intuition speaks to you in visualization, it's powerful. Tap into it. The next one is I have a couple of clients who actually hear a voice. So they have auditory vocal direction that they receive. Again, we don't know if it's someone speaking, if it just feels like we're hearing something. 
and it doesn't matter. All that matters is if that's a way that you receive direction, if you often hear guidance or direction as if someone is speaking to you, allow yourself to pay attention. Allow yourself to get curious. Allow yourself to ask more questions. However, I also have a client that will often hear things in their environment when they have a question and they need an answer or they're trying to make a decision. So they'll ask themselves a question, but then they'll hear the answer on the radio or they'll hear the answer in music that they're listening to or they'll hear the answer on the TV or in someone else's conversation. That is also auditory direction from our intuition. Our intuition is basically our subconscious brain tuning into things to help give us answers And if you are a person who learns auditorially, your intuition or your subconscious brain might be picking out pieces of conversations or commercials or songs that have meaning and value for the problem that you're trying to solve or the decision you're trying to make. There are some people who will smell something. When they ask their intuition questions, they might experience the smell of burning or smoke that has meaning for them, or they might smell flowers or their mother's perfume. So they might have that smell that they can smell. Pay attention if that's something that happens to you and get curious with it. This also happens for people who sometimes taste things. So you might taste your mom's homemade lasagna and it might make you think, I should talk to my mom. Really, there is nothing off the table. And then last, other people may experience lucid dreams where they're dreaming, but they know they're dreaming so they can kind of manipulate the dream. So if you get knowing from dreams, get curious with them. If you have really vivid dreams and you wake up knowing exactly what happened, get curious with that. Allow yourself to explore it. So now that we've talked about all of that, Let's talk about the science behind it. And this is where we're really going to geek out for a minute, okay? Little scientific geek me is going to come out of the closet to play for a little bit because there has recently been a lot of scientific study on the accuracy of intuition. And they've been studying what the biological processes of intuition might actually be And because some of the most successful and influential people throughout history have reported relying heavily on their intuition, it's really become an area of curiosity. So people like Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein, one of the greatest scientists of our time, talked a lot about intuition. And it wasn't just him. Nikola Tesla did as well. He talked a lot about intuition. People who've led militaries like Winston Churchill or created new innovative devices like Steve Jobs, personalities like Oprah Winfrey, and even like creatives like Paul McCartney. All of these people have talked about the incredible influence of intuition in their lives and in their success. Now, if we have a bunch of successful people saying, here are the ways that I became successful. Oh, and by the way, I really listened to my gut, or I really listened to my instincts, or I really listened to my intuition. Your intuition will know the way Scientists are going to get a little bit curious, right? Because that's what we do with our analytical brain is we hear these things and then we're like, oh, really? Well, let's get curious with that. 
We're still not exactly sure what's happening when people are getting intuitive hits because a lot of what happens in the brain is invisible still. Brain imaging has gotten better and better, but it's still pretty invisible. We can see certain parts of the brain light up for certain reasons, but sometimes we don't know why. But I have to tell you, I get giddy just reading what they've discovered so far. And can you imagine what we'll know in 10 years or 20 or 50? It's just mind-blowing to think of where we're headed. Here's what we think we know about the brain right now. The only thing we're really sure about is that there's much more we don't know than what we do know. We're barely scratching the surface with our understanding of this incredible piece of equipment we have up in our noggins. So what we do know is that this intuitive way of thinking and arriving at decisions is meant to save us time and energy. All day long, we're taking in information. And the really cool thing is our subconscious brains remember everything we've ever said, done, witnessed, or learned. Everything. Even before we can remember things that we have no recollection of. It remembers everything. The subconscious takes up 90 to 95% of our brain power. Only 5 to 10% is conscious. Isn't that crazy? And its whole purpose is to collect and store data and make sure that our body functions properly. At least as far as we know. It processes information at the speed of 11 million pieces of information per second per second. That's 946 million pieces of information a day. Your brain is taking in so much information at any given point in time. In fact, right now, as you're listening to this, you're storing away what you're learning, how it's making you feel, the way the air around you smells, the sounds you can hear in the background of my recording, as well as any sounds that you can hear surrounding you. You're remembering who you're with and what your mint gum tastes like in your mouth. You're also subconsciously tracking any people or animals in your vicinity and their behavior. You may be storing away bits of their conversation, all while unconsciously remembering to breathe, make your heart beat, blink to lubricate your eyes, and the list could go on and on and on. You are taking in so much information right now. Imagine trying to sort through a whole life's worth of stored information in order to make a decision now in the present. Like, can you imagine how long it would take to sort through all of the information from the entire time you began to exist as a human being to now in order to make a simple decision about whether you want to go out tonight or not, or whether this person is a good person to date, or whether you want to take this job opportunity? That's a lot of information to process, and it would be absolutely inefficient. So our subconscious brains, they do us a solid. And they quickly look through our library of lived experiences, things we've seen in print and digital media, things we've seen others do or heard others say, things you learned in school when you were in kindergarten. And it looks for patterns to give you a general feeling of whether something is a good fit for you or not. The other thing we know is the more experience we have in a topic, the more quickly we can arrive at decisions. So if you're a master chess player and the question has to do with chess, you're going to give a much quicker and more intuitive answer than if you've never played chess before. Or if you're a really seasoned nurse or doctor, you can look at a patient and know a lot more about their situation than someone who's just begun in medicine. It really speeds up our ability to make quick, efficient decisions. 
because it looks through the catalog of everything we've experienced super quickly and hands us a bodily sensation, an emotion, or a thought. Or a visual, right? Or a smell, or a taste, or something auditory. Now, the advantages of the system of thinking are we get that speed of response, especially in a crisis. We have easy completion of routine and repetitive tasks. If you have done something over and over and over again, you can almost do it mindlessly, right? You do it intuitively. Have you ever had that experience where you're just washing dishes or driving home and you don't really remember doing it? Because your subconscious brain took over and your intuition took over and helped you do a repetitive task quickly and easily. But here's where the subconscious brain and our intuition gets really awesome is creativity and innovation. It helps us find associations between problems we're working on with our conscious brain and our expansive library of lived experience and learning. If you ever have a problem, so often you can ask yourself, like, what would be a good solution to this? And allow your subconscious brain to get to work on it. Allow your subconscious brain to start filing through your library and looking for anything that feels like it might be associated to give you a wealth of information to work with that might help you come up with a creative solution. There is a disadvantage, though, to intuition, and I'm sure some of you have run into this before. Our intuition can be biased, and it can jump to the wrong conclusions. Now, because our intuitive decisions, our intuitive knowing is based on circumstances and it's based on our lived experience, we've talked about neural pathways, our brain, our subconscious brain is like, oh, this feels like this, this, and this, and so here's the conclusion, and will give us an emotion or a bodily sensation to be like, oh, that's not for you, or yeah, yeah, that was good, that turned out good last time. Now, Those of you who've listened to previous episodes, you heard my husband and I get on and we were talking about early in our marriage in the conflict cycle, how I would clear my throat simply because I clear my throat a lot. But in his household growing up, his experience, his lived experience was that clearing your throat meant that you were in trouble. When his mom cleared her throat, it meant he had forgotten something or he had dropped the ball in some way. And it would trigger guilt or shame in him. So I'm over there, minding my own business, doing my homework at college, and I would clear my throat, and he would have a visceral response of shame. What's interesting is once we slowed down that process and he recognized I'm having an emotional response where I feel shame and I feel angry to help cover the shame because anger makes us feel strong and it helps us not feel like we're being attacked or that we can protect ourselves when we are being attacked. So he was feeling anger and underneath that was the shame. And when he slowed down that process, realized, oh my gosh, I'm being triggered when you clear your throat. And we got to have a conversation about it where I was able to be like, I am honestly just clearing my throat. That's it. I have something stuck in my throat and I'm clearing it. And he was like, there's nothing I forgot. You're not upset with me about something. I'm like, like zero upset. There's no upsetness happening here. I'm not trying to communicate anything with you. I'm literally clearing my throat while I do my homework. What's cool is because we slowed the process down and then we had a conscious conversation about it, new information was put into the subconscious that clearing throats doesn't necessarily always mean that you're in trouble or you're deficient. 
So the next time I cleared my throat, his intuition was able to be like, okay, okay, that's right. Clearing throats growing up meant that I was in trouble. But when she clears her throat, she's just clearing her throat. And he quit having so many intuitive responses of shame and so many intuitive responses of I'm in danger. Now, if you listen to that story, I talk about how there's checks and balances already built into our bodily system to keep us from jumping to wild, crazy conclusions based on our past experience, but also to keep us safe. So what neuroscience has come up with is a dual process theory, which is super, super cool. And it's really a system of checks and balances between our conscious, analytical, logical, and reasoning brain and our intuitive, emotional, experiential brain. They call this system one and two thinking. Type one thinking is intuitive. Type two thinking is cognitive and analytical. And this information is coming straight from Scientific American, who wrote an amazing article based on the findings of Scott Barry Kaufman and Jerome Singer in 2012. And they said the two systems have unique disadvantages as well as advantages. Being an analytical or cognitive thinker is not better than being an intuitive or emotional thinker, and vice versa. They said, although the rational system, system two, the cognitive system, although it's superior to the experiential system or the intuitive system, system one, in abstract thinking, it is inferior in its ability to direct everyday behavior. And the experiential system, although it's superior in directing everyday behavior, it's inferior in its ability to think abstractly, to comprehend cause and effect and to delay gratification, and to plan for the distant future. So since each system has equally important advantages and disadvantages, neither system can be considered superior to the other system. Like I said, here in Western society, we have a tendency to prize cognitive, logical, analytical thinking, and to discard intuitive thinking. And now we have a pendulum swing where there's a spiritual community that says, no, it all needs to be emotional and experiential thinking. Trust that. Don't listen to your cognitive, logical, or rational brain. But really, both of them have advantages and disadvantages, and it works best when we use them both. So we're going to talk about how to get the most out of your intuition. If you're a person that's like, look, I really want to learn how to tap into my intuition to access all of that wisdom and knowledge that comes from my subconscious brain. I want to have access to that. I want to hear my inner voice. I want to have confidence to make decisions that will quickly move me in the right direction. If you're wanting that, but you're also wanting to make sure you stay grounded in conscious, critical thinking, and logical thought and fact, this process is for you. First, you're going to allow your conscious brain, your system two, to ask your intuitive brain, system one, a specific question that it would like creative solutions to. So let's say you're having problems with your relationship with your parent. You might ask your intuitive system, how do I improve my relationship with my mom? Might be a question that you consciously ask yourself so that your subconscious can get to work on it. I find that this works really well when I write the question down but you can just ask yourself out loud, okay? Ask yourself out loud or write it down and it makes it a concrete thing 
for your subconscious to work on. So have your conscious brain either write down or speak out loud the question it would like your intuition to work on. Then the second thing is give yourself some quiet time when your brain is not super busy, where your mind can wander and pour over the question. This does not mean you have to be sitting still, crisscross applesauce on the ground, meditating. This can be driving time without listening to the radio. Or maybe if you're an auditory person listening to the radio, this can be driving time, shower time, time right before you fall asleep or right when you wake up. This can be time when you're stirring the pot of spaghetti. This can be time when you're gardening or when you're on your daily walk or your jog. Anytime your brain is not focused on a complex problem and your mind can wander a little bit, your intuition can start looking for different solutions and trying things on. Next, after you have several different ideas or solutions, you bring it back to the conscious brain for consideration. The best way for me is to write. I've talked about vomit journaling a lot. So I write that question at the top of the page. And often I don't even need to give myself quiet time. I just start writing whatever comes to mind. It kind of cuts out that little bit of time there. I'm all about time efficiency when possible. So I sit down and I just start writing whatever comes to mind. I don't worry about what I'm writing. I just allow my mind to basically wander while I'm writing down what it's saying. And I just write, 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 write. When I feel complete, this is when I check back in with my conscious brain for consideration. I read what I've written. Does anything stick out to me? I pay attention to how the information I'm processing with my conscious brain feels in my body. This is actually how I create podcasts as well. I might ask my subconscious brain, I might ask my intuition, what is something we really need to talk about right now? And in my morning journaling, I'll write, write, write all of the things that maybe clients have brought up or that have been issues in my conversations with people on social media, and I'll write. And then I go back and I read it and I listen to my body. I listen to my gut where I'm like, oh, yeah, that one really stands out. I'm really excited about that topic. Or, oh, yeah, that's been a big question lately. I'm really excited to talk about that. But then I repeat this process. Once I know what my topic is, then I start reading information about the topic, listening to podcasts, reading academic journals, reading Scientific American, listening to music sometimes that has to do with it, reading books. What I do though is as I'm processing information, I'm listening for those pings of insight in my body, things that light me up or excite me. So like when I learned about dual process theory and then I dug down into it and dug in more. There were things that were popping up where I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I was writing those things down. And then as I was reading through them again, I paid attention to what lit me up the most. And so I had three broad topics that lit me up. And I was like, oh, what would be really great is if we understood what intuition is how it like scientifically works. I understand pretty well how the mystical community feels like intuition works, but I want to know how do scientists think that intuition works? And I want to do a podcast on that. 
And so here we are having a podcast on that. And then I'm like, and I would want to know, how can I unite those two parts of my brain so that I'm not feeling like I have to stay in my analytical brain all the time or that it's better to stay in my intuitive brain? How do we make this a non-binary thing and how do we use both sides of the brain? So if you think through that process, we have system two, our conscious brain, asking system one, our intuitive brain, a question. System one gets to go to work looking for solutions and connecting dots through our vast array of information and knowledge that we've stored over our life. It pulls up all of those things, brings them to a place where you can get curious with them, either through writing or you can just talk to yourself. You can push the record button on your phone and just talk to yourself. Or if you're a verbal processor and you need another person, find a willing person that you can just talk out an issue with so that those subconscious things can come to the conscious. And then we bring our conscious brain back online. And our conscious brain looks through what the subconscious has brought to the table and decides which pieces of information make the most sense or how they make sense. And then we tap back into the subconscious, into our intuition to feel into what feels right. As our conscious brain is making sense of things, what feels expansive and good? What doesn't? So we're constantly going back and forth between our conscious and analytical brain and our subconscious intuitive brain, back and forth, back and forth. So when you feel like you've arrived at the right decision after completing that process, Take action and move towards the thing that feels expansive or exciting or peaceful or calm or relieving. And then continue to repeat the process above as you go on asking specific questions. And that is such an important thing. Our intuition responds the best when we ask it a specific question. What is the next best thing I should do in my business? Why am I feeling so unsettled about this? What can I do to help my child feel more loved and connected? How can I set a boundary with my mother about this? Ask yourself very specific questions. Our intuition loves that, and it can get to work looking for information about that very specific question. Give yourself time to gather that information, consciously connect the dots, and then listen to how those solutions feel in your body. And here's the big piece that I found has helped me the most when using my intuition. Give yourself permission to course correct as you gather more information. So I do that four-step process of asking the question, gathering information, connecting the dots, and then feeling into how it feels. And then I take the step that feels right and I listen again and I ask more questions and I keep repeating this process. And it moves me slowly forward towards a life that feels good. I feel like this is a great place to end this podcast. This is kind of a beginner's understanding of intuition and scientifically how it works and how you can work with it and how you can begin to connect your mind and your body together to get that whole wisdom that is meant for you. I'm really excited to hear how this process goes. I know that there are going to be pitfalls. That's what the next two episodes are about. We're going to be talking about that problem where you're not sure if it's your intuition or your indoctrination speaking. So when you feel fear or anxiety, 
Is that my intuition saying, no, don't do that? Or is that my indoctrination saying, no, that's bad, that's wrong? If that's your issue, I've been there. All of my clients have been there. Almost everyone who follows me on social media has been there, but we couldn't hop into that topic until we had covered what intuition is and how it functions. At least in my brain, that's the way it made most sense. So we're going to hop into how do you tell if it's indoctrination or if it's your intuition? Is it your trauma speaking or is it your intuition speaking? We'll be hopping into that topic next week. And then the week after, we're going to talk about Holy Ghost trauma. We're going to talk about the whole process of our intuition being co-opted by high demand religion, how that affected us, and then how we can kind of undo that damage so that we can begin to trust ourselves even more. All right. I'm really excited about what's coming up. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please feel free to share with friends and family that you feel like could really use this information or it would help them through their religious transition more smoothly. And, um, Don't forget, if you want more support, please feel free to join the Facebook group. I'm loving having everyone there. I've been doing lots of short live videos and kind of inviting everybody into my like daily life. And yeah, I look forward to seeing you in those different places and we will see you next Sunday.